Let's read from our passage today from Matthew chapter 8, verses 28 to 34. Let me read this story for you, how Jesus heals two men who are possessed by demons. And when he came to the other side, to the country of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men met him, coming out of the tombs, so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you done with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them. And the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. So they came out and went into the pigs. And behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled, and going into the city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. This is one of a story of a remarkable feat. And actually, you know, our world has all these record-setting actions and feats that people do. I'm reminded of Simon Elmore, who, a uh, man in Germany, who set the record for holding the most straws in his mouth. His record stands at 400 today. Or another amazing seat, feat, and actually this one for me is quite amazing, as, as I am, uh, have some claustrophobia, is Zadnik Zarakna from the Czech Republic set the world record for being buried alive in a coffin underground with only a breathing tube going up to the surface. And he shattered the previous record of four days by staying in this coffin, buried underground, for a total of 10 days. People can do things, amazing things. But these don't even begin to compare with the amazing feats that we see in the life of Jesus. Matthew chapter 8 and 9 has been two chapters that have been showing the Messiahship of Jesus through the miracles that he's been performing. Healing leopards, raising the dead, calming storms. These are all examples of the mighty power that Jesus has demonstrating his Messiahship. In our passage today, we see that Jesus now focuses on another miracle. And this is casting out the demons. And when we look at these miracles together, and we look at Matthew 8 and 9 as a package, we see that Jesus is taking portraits or snapshots of his ministry, and Matthew is, is recording what Jesus is doing here f as examples for us. But he's picking some of the most momentous examples. So my first point today is the mega ministry of Jesus. Because Jesus is the mega master. And the mega master is doing incredible things. And what we see scattered throughout these two chapters is the amazing feats of Jesus overcoming nature by calming the hurricane, the storm of all storms. We see Jesus demonstrating that he is the Messiah by casting out Satan, as we see in this passage here. 
We see him as the master over illness, which you'll see coming up in the next chapter where Jesus heals the woman that's had bleeding for 12 years. And we see him as the mega master over death, our final and most terrifying enemy, when he casts out or or brings back to life Jairus' daughter. And all these things are being done to illustrate a lesson to us to illustrate that Jesus is the mega master. Jesus is the most powerful, the greatest person who's ever walked on this earth, the God-man Jesus Christ. And Matthew is trying to give us the sense that Jesus is more than simply another prophet that's arrived that he's done the greatest miracle in each of these categories to far and outweigh, far and exceed anything that anybody would have done up until that point. So let's look at this mega miracle. Of the four mega miracles I described, of calming the storm, casting out the demons, healing the woman with bleeding, and raising Jairus' daughter back to life, of those four mega miracles, today we see the second one. Last week we looked at the calming of the storm. Now we see the second one. And the second one is remarkable. Because as we look at this mega miracle, we see it comes immediately on the heels of the previous miracle. It's incredible to think. What amazing 24 hours this had been. The disciples had been rowing across the lake. Jesus is sleeping in the back of the boat. In the midst of this, Jesus uh, finds himself in a storm, a sudden terrifying storm in which all the fishermen who were used to being on this lake thought they were going to drown. And now Jesus calms the storm with simply a word to show his great power over all of nature. And now we see Jesus, after that night, calming the storm, people are now terrified with Jesus in their boat. They row the boat across the shore and they're only going about 10 kilometers to an area where there's steep cliffs coming down and they pull up at the foot of these cliffs on the shore and immediately they are met by two demon-possessed men i can't imagine how this 24 hours not even 24 hours how these eight hours must have felt in the life of these disciples We see a mega miracle on the heel of another one. It's remarkable when we think of all the demon activity we find in the scripture. Because in the Old Testament, you you see very little in terms of demonic activity. You don't find any demonic uh, possessions. You only find a few times of a lying spirit that was sent. You see Job being tormented by Satan's uh, activities. Then you go into the Gospels and you see a flurry of activity. Everywhere Jesus goes, demons come out and are immediately expelled. Then you go back into the book of Acts. You only have two cases of demon possessions. You go to the epistles and not a single word again. And we see this flurry of activity taking place because the mega master has now shown himself in the midst of of suffering human beings. And Jesus now comes and he's in this situation. 
and they've rowed across the lake. They've gone 10 kilometers. They're now in the midst of this, and now they're confronted by these two men who come running down the hill. And it's interesting to notice the condition of these men. These men, we see, used to be people who lived in the city and had a normal, sane existence. But they've fallen on really hard times. These men are no longer in a position of health and mental stability that they had been in previously. In fact, we read that, that they were living in the tombs and they were so fierce that nobody could pass that way. We know from the other stories that they were even naked. And so the picture of these men who once were people of that area, respected members of family, have now fallen into a, a situation in which they're not in their correct minds, but instead they find themselves completely taken over by demonic powers. And people are afraid. Demons can have great strength. We know that on one occasion, Jesus uh, was casting out a demon from a young boy. And his father said that oftentimes the demons throw him into a fire. We know that demons can have power and strength. And when they tried to bind these men, the men continued to get free. And the town was so terrified that these demon-possessed men went and set the, er, er, lived in the tombs away from the rest of civilization. These people were in a serious condition. They were deserted, and they were alone. We need to realize the condition of mankind spiritually without Christ. Under the influence of Satan, alone, deserted, and unable to set themselves free from it. In fact, we see that uh, Whenever someone came down the road, these demons would come out and attack this man because the intent of Satan is to attack and destroy. But then what happens is not only just seeing the man's condition, but we see here the confession that comes out of the demon's mouth. It's interesting to notice that when they saw him away, when they saw him far away, behold, they cried out, what have you do to do with us O oh, Son of God, why have you come here to torment us at this time? In Mark, we see that these demons, when they came, they ran and they actually fell at his feet. They prostrated himself at the feet of Jesus. These were demons that, that couldn't stand, couldn't keep this man erect in the presence of God. But in presence of Jesus, they, they fell at Christ's feet caused this man to prostrate because they recognized immediately who Jesus is. They knew that Jesus was the Lord Almighty. It's not only that, but they confessed something else about him. They confessed that he was the Son of God. It's interesting that these demons come right before Jesus and they confess, you are the Son of God. This is exactly the same thing we find the angels announcing to Mary at the birth of Jesus. That she would conceive and give birth to the Son of God. See, the angels in heaven and demons are only fallen angels. They all knew that throughout eternity, the Son of God sits on his throne. 
And whether they're fallen angels or regular angels, we see that these angels are aware that the Son of God is here in their midst and they need to worship him. And these demons confess it. They fall at Jesus' feet. They confess that he is the Son of God, the Son Almighty. It's interesting because when we read last week when Jesus called me the, the storm, the question that appears at the end of the passage after all the storm has been calmed and everything is quiet once again, the question on the lips of all the disciples at that time is simply, what sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Well, the demons have the answer. The demons aren't asking what sort of man is this. They immediately come and fall at his feet and say, you are the Son of God. Then we see Jesus uh, giving this great display of power towards these, towards these demons. And his great display of power we know is great because in Mark we read that the name of these demons was Legion. Legion brings us to, to mind of the Roman army. A Roman army had a legion. A legion consisted of 6,000 soldiers. And these two men, possessed by demons, confessed that their name was Legion, meaning 6,000 soldiers. And it's a picture of the the intent of the demons to hurt, to wound, to destroy life. But it's also perhaps a picture of numbers, because we know later that when Jesus cast these demons out into the herd of pigs, We know from the other gospel accounts that it was 2,000 pigs. Now, does that mean 6,000 demons? Each pig had 3,000 demons or three demons in it? Perhaps. If there was 6,000 demons, now you've got two men demon-possessed each by 3,000 demons? Perhaps. I once was casting out a demon from a young lady. Um, Before we ministered to her, she had shared how she had been possessed by three evil spirits and her her uncle came who was a teacher at the mosque and he came and did a ceremony over her and cast out those three demons with a stronger spirit and as we started to pray over this woman she began to manifest and uh, the, the spirit finally came out of her we can see multiple demon possessions in people So it's not beyond the the realm of possibilities that each man had thousands of demons infesting them. Or it could have just been a symbolic thing of one person, and eventually when the demons went in the pigs, he stirred them all up and they all followed them off the cliff. We, We can't say for sure. But what we do know is these demons were many, were powerful, but they also were demons that had the correct theology where the disciples are still asking, who is this man? The demons are saying, oh, you son of God. And the first thing we recognize about the demons' theology is that they're Trinitarian. It's amazing to think how many people today will deny that Christ is Lord, that Christ is God. Whenever a demon is confronted by Jesus, immediately he says, you're the son of God. Demons aren't confused. They've seen eternity past. They've seen heaven. They know the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they are all, they are all Trinitarian. 
That's the reality. Demons are more biblically, theologically correct than many Christians in our churches today. They also have the proper eschatology. Eschatology is a word we use to describe the theology of the end times. When Christ will return again. And these demons had a view of the second coming of Christ. Here he is in the first coming before the demons. They confess you're the son of God. They see the incarnation. They see the first coming. They knew the plan of God for salvation. And now they're saying, what are you doing here? It's not time yet to judge us. They knew that there would come again a day when the Messiah, Christ, the son of God, would come and defeat Satan and throw them into the lake of fire. And the demon said, it's not time yet. Don't throw us into the abyss. These demons had proper theology, didn't they? Trinitarian, believed in the first coming, the second coming, and the great judgment to come. And all this we see in the confession of the demons here. Thirdly, we see the command that the Lord gives them. Now there was a herd of pigs, and the demon said, cast us out into these pigs. And he said, go. Go. No, no, we've got to put the scene here. Legion, which means 6,000, two men possessed by a myriad, multiple, thousands of spirits, potentially, with one word, go, and immediately they went into the herd of pigs. It reminds me when Jesus met the centurion at the beginning of Matthew chapter 8. And the centurion said, you don't need to come to my house to heal my servant. Just say the word. The centurion knew the authority of Jesus, and now these demons are not only aware that Jesus has the authority, but they see and recognize immediately the comprehensive and total authority that Jesus Christ possesses. He doesn't need to describe what he's going to do. He doesn't need to give any biblical references. He doesn't need to explain it to the demons. All he needs is a single word, go, and those demons are gone. There is nothing they can do to keep themselves from being cast out by Jesus. It's amazing to think of the overall, the overwhelming and total power of Jesus in this way. And when you reflect on the incidents going on in your life today, are you aware that the commands of Jesus are just as relevant towards the wind and the waves? Be still. To the demons, go. And that same power and same authority is given to us so that we might see the power of God manifest in the world and glory given to Christ as we go into our world and we serve this broken place. The power of Jesus, by just a word, is still at work in the world today around us. Go. And these demons went into this herd of pigs. And the whole herd of pigs rushed down the steep bank and into the ocean, and they, or into the sea, and they drowned in the waters. What a sight that must have been. Can you imagine these pigs running off the cliff, down into the sea, and completely drowning. 
Now, before you stop and think like Bertrand Russell did, the, philosoph the British philosopher, he actually used this, the skeptic used this story as an event to say why Christianity isn't true. He said that the problem with Christianity is that if Jesus was good and if Jesus was ethical, he would not mercilessly kill 2,000 pigs like this. Well, I want to set the, the story correct. You can actually go on a tour in, the, in uh, the Bahamas, I think it is. They have the, the, I'm trying to remember the name, it's called the Pig Island in the Major Key area, in, or Major Key area of the Bahamas. And on Pig Island, you can go there on tours where you can actually go and swim with the pigs. You see, back uh, in the days of the Pirates of the Caribbean and whatnot, these uh, ship apparently left a bunch of pigs on an island there either intending to go back and uh, get them later or perhaps the ship was drowned or it was shipwrecked and the pigs washed up on shore there on the island but till today there are pigs living on this island in the middle of the caribbean sea and then when tourists come these pigs will swim out to the boats and interact with the tourists and this is exactly a picture of what we see happening here Pigs in the ocean, pigs in the sea, swimming. They're not drowning. Pigs can swim. And what does that tell us? Tell us that Jesus wasn't cruel killing off 2,000 pigs. But what we do see is the destructive nature of Satan. Satan gets into your life, and he does to your life just like what he did to these pigs total destruction and that's exactly what he did to these men where he took them out of the city and brought them to the tombs took them from their fine clothes and left them naked took them in their from their right mind and made them crazy satan never has your best interest in store satan gives you a great brochure tells you how fun it's going to be tempts you and then the minute you sin, he's right there to dig the knife in deeper and deeper and destroy all that's in your life. It's a picture of the work of Satan. But the command of Jesus is in spite of all the overwhelming destructiveness of Jesus, or of the, the demons, Jesus with a single word can put it all correct. Go. And they went. We see that the father cares about these sparrows. Jesus didn't just kill a bunch of pigs. The father knows about the sparrows that fall from the sky. He knows about the hairs on your head. He knew and cares about all these things. The command of Jesus is powerful. Then we see the people who come. And these people come and meet Jesus. They come out of the town. And we read in the other gospel accounts that when they came, they saw the men sitting and in their right mind. You've seen a total, complete transformation of these men. Now the people heard about what happened from these two shepherds, from the shepherds who had been watching the pigs. And can you imagine, as this boat pulls up on the shore, right in front of the tombs, these pig herders are watching what's happening from up on the cliff. And they probably nudged the other one and said, oh, this is going to be good. <laughs> Look at this guy. He's landing right in front of the tombs. 
he must be from the other side. He doesn't know about these guys, does he? And then they see Jesus step out of the boat. And they're thinking, oh, this is just going to be totally a destructive event. This guy's going to get beat up. He's going to be chased away. His boat's going to be destroyed. Some entertainment finally for us pig herders. Now they've seen a second amazing thing happen. When they come back bringing people from the town to see what's happened, they find a man sane and in his right mind. But it's not only that. A third amazing thing is set before their eyes where these people now realize that they are in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, the incarnate Son of God. But the people draw a conclusion from this. They decide that they don't want God in their life. It's remarkable to think how, how people are treating the Lord Jesus. Instead of them coming out of the town thinking, wow, great, this guy has been restored back to us. There's been a total transformation of his life. He's set free from Satan. Instead of being all enthused about that and welcoming Jesus into their town, they turn around and they say to Jesus, go. They begged him to depart from their region. They pleaded. They thought, we want nice people in our towns. We want the crazy people over there in the tombs. But the Son of God, we want far away. The Son of God, we want far away. What a sad ending to this story, actually. Should have been this town welcomed him with open arms. But instead, that's not what we find. So we've seen the mega master who's proving his great power over all these things, death, illness, demons, and nature. We've now seen the mega miracle of casting out these demons, which leads us to three conclusions which I refer to as our mega ministry. The first conclusion is that everywhere is our mission field. The power of Jesus is given to us to also represent him in this world. And we need to see that everywhere is a place where we need to be present with the gospel. Jesus had just been ministering on the western shores of Galilee. Going from Capernaum to town to town and other towns. Perhaps to about 200 towns in this region. Ministering to over 200,000 people. And been going around teaching and preaching and healing. And as he's done this, people are responding to him. But then he says to the disciples, we need to go across to the other side. The other side? That other side's the Decapolis. That other side is a place where Herod has his authority and his palace. That other side has become secular. We're the good Jews on the western side. That other side is where the Jews have become Hellenistic. They've adopted all the Greek culture and they're no longer following the Jewish culture. They're the bad Jews. We're the good Jews. And Jesus says, I'm going to go around and I'm going to have revival meetings and we're going to see great response here among the good Jews. But those bad Jews also need the gospel. 
We know they're bad Jews because they're even herding pigs, which are unclean animals. But Jesus was willing to leave the revival on the west to go to the bad places of the east to demonstrate to them as well that he is the Messiah. Everywhere is our mission field. Even graveyards are our mission field. That you and I are called not just to the nice, respectable, good people and good places, but we're called to the hard places as well to bring the love and gospel of Christ to those places. Secondly, we see every power is conquerable. Greater is he that is in you than is in the world. The power of Christ in your life today is greater than the power of Satan that's, in, that's putting others in bondage. And you and I have been commissioned to go into the world and to be there to put the name of Christ into these situations. When I go there, Satan, he sees me coming. He's not afraid of me at all. My name has no power to conquer any spirits. However, the power of Christ does. The name of Christ, the word from Christ, go, and the demons are scattered. They must flee. They have no choice. And you and I go into this mission field with the power of the name of Christ, which is more powerful than any power of Satan. And how do we cast out the power of Satan? We don't need ceremonies. We don't need magic water with tea leaves in it and flower petals. You and I cast out Satan simply by showing up and proclaiming Christ is Lord the Son of God, and people who have been in bondage to Satan for years, perhaps not manifesting, but people who have been in bondage to Satan are set free from Satan at that time when they accept the gospel message and worship Christ as their Savior and Lord. Every place is our mission field. Every power is conquerable. And every single person is redeemable. Oftentimes we look at people and we think, oh, he's not going to accept the gospel. Oh, this person's never going to accept the gospel. We begin to kind of eye him up and think, oh, this is a nice person. I'll share with them. This person will never respond. But in reality, we need the eyes of Jesus to see that every single person is redeemable. In our story, we see that the people in the town all rejected him, said, go away, go away. And the only people that you think shouldn't receive the gospel, these two demon-possessed men, naked and wild, unable to be chained, living in tombs, are the only ones that accept Christ. But if you were in that situation, you'd be like, oh, these nice town folk need to hear the gospel. Those demon-possessed men, we're going to stay away from them. They're scary. The reality is, is everyone's redeemable. Every single person needs to hear and respond to the gospel. And every single person can be used by Christ to build his kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this ministry that you've entrusted to us to go everywhere and to bring this gospel to everyone, knowing that the power of the gospel is enough to set people free from Satan.
Lord, use our church. Send us now into the world around us. Use us to open the eyes of the blind and to, to bring them to the truth of Christ. Use us to set them free from the influences of Satan in their lives that have been ruining and destroying their lives, their marriages, their families. Give us a heart to pay the price and to believe that the gospel is more powerful to destroy the works of the Satan one, the works of the evil one. We thank you. Send us out in your name, we pray. Amen.